The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the final episode of 2021 for the Two Point Conversation, your home for football talk for fans, by fans, right here, that threw me off. My, my, my alternate intro threw me myself off. For fans, by fans, right here on the network at BICBP-radio.com. My name is Matt Johnson, one of your hosts, and alongside with me, as always, for our NFL history episodes is uh, is... Mr. Andrew Lenz, uh, the busy man himself. How are we doing, my man? Not too bad. Not too bad. It's, uh, um, you can tell by the title of this episode, we're doing it in tribute to Mr. Madden. Kind of a big loss. And uh, I think a guy that we kind of, I, I think some people kind of took for granted in a way. And you don't realize how big of it was until you start deep diving into his life and his love of football. So. No, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And um, we did mention it on yesterday's episode. We acknowledged that, you know, John Madden passed away uh, unexpectedly at the age of 85, a good long life worth living. Um, and, you know, we had plans. It's supposed to be a month. And I guess it kind of falls in that way a little bit. It's supposed, it, you know, a month of toys, Christmassy stuff. And Today was supposed to be a random merchandise thing. Well, we can revisit it at some other point. There's no doubt about it. The show isn't going away anytime soon. So uh, we will revisit it at some point. But uh, but when Madden passed away, like a million memories of playing, you know, Madden video games or early days watching football, Thanksgiving Day, uh, which was a big thing that Madden, you know, loved to be a part of Madden and Pat Summerall, who we're going to have to do an episode on, on Summerall someday as well. But um, came flooding over me, and I looked at I messaged Andrew. I go, "Hey, he didn't even know. You probably didn't know for a good hour after it happened." I go, "Hey, Madden passed away. Can we do a John Madden episode on Friday?" And he goes, "Yes, yes, let's do it. Let's do it absolutely." So, um, so that's what we wanted to do here today. Uh, you know, we wanted to pay tribute as best as we can. Talk about John Madden's life because the, John Madden's career is in three phases, I think, for a lot of people. And actually, Andrew put something up on the Facebook page uh, fairly recently about, you know, what's that? Bring it back up. <laughs> Thinking about putting back up just now to see again. Yeah, it's, uh, it's it, it, it wouldn't say no to that, you know. Um, about, like, what do you remember, John Madden? Or what was your, I think it was, what was your first time hearing about John Madden? I think it was yeah. something along the lines of that. And one was the coach. One was the commentator, the broadcaster, and the other was the video game, um, John Madden. And that's how big his, you know, that's how just important. He did so excellent at everything that he did. All right. We're going to talk a lot about the Madden franchise. We're going to talk a little bit about the Madden franchise today. But you see people, right? Madden was a coach first. He was, uh, I mean, he played a little bit, knee injuries and stuff, but he was a coach first. 
All right. And then he went on to something else and became very, very successful at that. And then he essentially became, you know, something I, it was during his broadcasting career. But, uh, you know, he succeeded in, uh, in in all three phases, so to speak. He did very, very well for himself in, in everything. And uh, he just, you know, he's a lot like I think myself and Andrew, maybe a lot of fans across the world. He just loved professional football for what it was, the ultimate game ultimate chess match and just wanted to be just immersed in it all the time. It dominated his life. It did. Um, and he was that much more successful because of it. So we wanted to pay tribute to that man, um, to the man, John Madden, talk about his life, talk about his career and uh, just his influences on the game. Now, um, Andrew, I believe your earliest impressions of him would be the broadcaster, correct? Oh yeah. CBS him and Pat Summerall didn't watch a whole lot of CBS. Cause once again, we're from Bill's country. So back then it was, uh, what was it? NBC, but during ABC, the- yeah, ABC had, they had, I think oh, it was NBC. Yeah. Cause ABC had Monday night football. That's right. Yep. This is before Fox came in and screwed everything up, it ruined my perfect little world of, and ESPN either just I just rather have a hell I'm so old I remember when TNT had football okay oh Jesus <laughs> and so but later on in the afternoon you know bills are all done playing and you flip it over CBS and it was normally still as it always is the big game of the week and you'd get John Madden Pat Summerall and you just see this quiet guy kind of and Pat Summerall just talks when he talks and then there's John Madden just talking all over the place and yeah he's John (laughs) John everywhere you know showing you everything and you and and as a kid it's you're trying to keep up with how he's showing you how the play is developing but if you ever watched him, he talks so fast with that telestrator sometimes. Like, here's the guy who goes here, and then he's going to shoot here, and then he's got to shoot here, and then he goes through here, and then he goes up, and he gets in there, and then, yep, yep, see, there it is. And then, boom, right there. And he go, and that's how they break the run. And, you know, I just remember trying to pay attention to that constantly. And it was just so fast, and it just turned into the classic Madden circles and lines and mess. Yeah. Uh, I think he actually drew a dick and balls one time. I, 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 if you look it up on YouTube, I'm pretty sure he did, which yeah. is hilarious because obviously that wasn't his intention, but he did. That's that's John Madden for you. Just, just do, just do. <laughs> he was doing a Bills game, and I just remember he was trying to point out how Ted Washington could clog up the middle as his nose tackle. So I'm just saying. Ted Washington can clog up the middle. He's big enough guy. He circled his butt like 10 times (laughs) just to give out to the point that he can, you know, just take up that whole entire space. Yeah. Now, man's a legend, absolute legend. He just, he just did man. And he had this fiery personality that uh, I think that's why a lot of people identified. I think a lot of people's childhood, at least my generation uh, Madam was certainly a part of that. So for me, I mean, partially the broadcaster, I think I played the games more so as a kid than I watched football, but I do, you know, it, it's kind of a mix of both. I definitely wasn't around for his coaching career, which has been fun, very fun to learn about. 
uh, especially when you consider how brief it was too. It's, uh, you know, it's significant how, uh, how much he did in that, that brief period of time. I think it was like nine, 10 year coaching career um, that, that he had and, and just, yeah, everything that came from it, you know, since then crazy, absolutely crazy. Uh, so let's get down into it. Let's break this man's life down. Um, let's just hop into it and, uh, and chit chat about, about the man of that is John Madden. So, um, so early life, early life, John was that John's a Minnesota boy. John's a Minnesota boy. All right. When I think of Minnesota, I think of, um, St. Olaf, Minnesota from, uh, from, 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 uh, Betty White's character in golden girls, uh, Minnesota. All right. He's a minute, good old Minnesota boy. All right. His parents, Earl and mother Mary, uh, his dad was an auto mechanic and, uh, eventually moved the family to, uh, California, not too far South of San Francisco. Uh, when when John was relatively young, he attended Catholic parochial school with John with uh, John Robinson, head coach. Oh, head coach John Robinson. That's pretty cool. At uh, Our Lady of Perpetual Help, graduating in 1950, and then Je- Jefferson High School, graduating in 1954. So uh, moving around at a very early age, going from Minnesota and uh, going from Minnesota to California is a big culture shift, I would dare so say. But um but but yeah. His playing career. I was jumping over to his playing career. He, he he was pretty damn good in high school. Really, really good. He played uh you know after that he played one season at the College of San Mateo in nineteen fifty four and then he was given a football scholarship to the University of Oregon, who we know that Oregon is a football powerhouse right it's it's pretty it's a pretty big powerhouse right now at least in the last decade uh it's been pretty popular chip kelly's you know uh, with all the jersey changes and all that fun stuff uh oregon's been a pretty big school the last decade uh but he studied pre-law and uh and he played football with his good friend john robinson uh however his playing career was was very very short he uh he experienced a lot of injuries uh particularly to his to his knees he's a big man right big man i'm guessing a lineman he did say that he used to play he was i was watching an interview with him on uh david letterman and he said that 77 was his number therefore you know he was a lineman which understandably so uh but he had a knee operation and then he went back to uh the college of san mateo and then Grace Harbor College playing in the fall of 1956 before transferring to Cal Poly and San Luis Obisco, uh, where he played both offensive defense for the Mustangs in 1957. So a lot of bouncing around in college for John Madden. Um, you know, the injury thing obviously obviously affecting his scholarship and his ability to kind of play and be consistent. Um, but yeah, he eventually earned a Bachelor of Science in Education in 1959 and a Master of Arts Education in 1961. So his post-high school career is, it's an 11-year run. It's like a, it's a lot, right? Because he said he graduated in high school, yeah, graduated high school in 1954. Okay, so a seven-year, like a seven-year journey playing uh, college, bouncing around, just trying to get his degree. Um, He did get all-conference honors at offensive tackle, and he was also a pretty good baseball player played at Cal Poly's baseball team. 
1958. Oh, so, okay. So what I'm understanding, he was still attending college while doing professional football. That's pretty cool. That's what I'm gathering from this. Uh, he was drafted in 1958 by the Philadelphia Eagles in the 21st round, 244th overall. Um, but in his first streaming camp, he suffered a knee injury, and then ended. Then it ended his playing career, essentially. But uh, he wasn't really ready to give up on football just yet. He loved it that much. Um, Andrew, do you want to get in the? You want to take us away to the coaching aspect? Yeah, I just wanted to say when he was with the Eagles, he mentioned that he was when during the whole rehabbing process is uh, he would watch film with Norm Van Brocklin, you know, the Dutchman. Oh, that's cool. That's really cool. The Dutchman would explain things to him during the film as well. So you could see, even though he wasn't playing, you could see the coaching career starting to blossom with, you know, masters in teaching and sitting there, even though he wasn't playing, he's still watching film to kind of better himself in a way. Right. So that was, that was one thing that when I was doing research, I thought was kind of cool that it's hard of a man as Norm Van Brocklin was, as a lot of people say he was, that he took the time to sit there with this rookie who couldn't practice, who had a knee injury and sat there and watched film with him and explained to him what was going on. Yeah. What a good, what a great, you know, name to, to listen to, you know, what a, what a guy to kind of just be under his wing, right? We all talk how, so highly of Norm Van Brocklin. What a legend, you know, most passing yards in a game, uh, absolute legend, won some championships with Philadelphia. If I'm not mistaken, right? Won some old NFL championships in Philadelphia. Rams and the Eagles. That's right. So, um, you know, a, a, a very a, a very stellar career um, that Norman Brocklin had, and what a what a what an athlete to uh, to to pick their brain and learn the game about, especially back in those early days, right? When it's fundamentals, 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 bare bones, basic. You know, uh, running, passing's not so prolific. You know, you got defense at its its roughest and toughest. What a fantastic guy to learn from. So after his, you know, his NFL career was over, he became an assistant at Allen Hancock College in San Maria and was promoted to head coach in 1962-1963. He was hired as a defensive assistant at San Diego State where he served under... Uh, another famous NFL coach in Don Coriel and also another member of that staff, a very young offensive assistant, which Joe Gibbs. So this was a very good <laughs> blossoming coaching staff. Uh, the, I would dare say so. Yeah. <laughs> at the university of San Diego state, there's a between Madden and Gibbs. What is that? Four Super Bowls, and then Coriel with multiple winning seasons as well. So they kind of shaped them in a way. And as a young Al Davis always does, he hires a very young John Madden as a linebackers coach in 1967 and helped the team reach to Super Bowl two. And I love the, they, they don't mention this fact is he was so, so passionate about the game. And we talk about being starstruck over people, right? 
He remembers thinking because he was in charge of picking up and exchanging the game film with the Packers that he was thinking to himself in his head, not only is he going to be on the opposite sideline as Vince Lombardi, but now he gets to watch the same game film that Vince Lombardi watched. And it was like all these little things that like built up to everything else. Right. No, no doubt. Um, yeah, I mean, to be able to show that a lot, you know, watch the same game film and stuff, like, if you really think about the, the the era that he stretched across, right, all these just legends, you know, we already talked about Norm Van Brocklin, but, you know, Lombardi, going to that early Super Bowl, you know, being a part of that early Super Bowl years. Al Davis, you know, was like, yeah, I want you. Bring it on. Um, you know, come on in and let's see what you can do. Uh, a huge, huge term of, uh, you know, a, a huge endorsement and, He's just surrounded by the best at this point in his career. Absolutely surrounded by the best. He hasn't really proven himself quite yet. You know what I mean? He's got a he's got a decent mind. He's a pretty smart guy. Graduated college, but uh, you know, overall, he's he hasn't done anything yet. And the fact that Al Davis trusted him that early on, you know, to be a part of his staff, is really really cool. We all know the kind of guy that Al Davis is was. Um, ferocious, love the game, you know, so many catchphrases, very, just very, very passionate about his team. And, uh, yeah, a pretty, very cool coaching staff to, to, to get your first pro gig with no doubt. Yeah. It's, it's pretty huge. Cause this is the AFL too at this at around the same time. So he's not even in the NFL. Right. That, oh, that is true. That is true. That is that a big, is, that is true. He's AFL, you know, assistant. Still looked at as the minor leagues, and we know Super Bowl two, they get they get destroyed by the Packers, like every AFL team did in the first two Super Bowls. But a year later, after the Raiders head coach John Rauch resigns to take the same position with Buffalo, the Raiders are needed a head coach, so Al Davis makes John Madden. Uh, the youngest head coach in football at that time at the age of 32. And this happened on February 4th, 1969. Which is, I mean, that's a crazy thing to think about. 32. 32 years old. And you know what I mean? He's always been like immortalized. He's always like, uh, you know, just seems so much older, but he's like the same age as like a Sean McVay. I'm 30 years old right now and John Madden was head coach of an NFL team two years after you know two years at 32 which is you know that's it's huge but he it boom you know boom uh it's just it's so cool it's it's what a lot that's a lot of trust that's a lot of trust but man that whole leaving one spot to be a head coach to another to go to another team and be a head coach uh, not a very common thing and not very uh not very f- fond, you know, that people don't like that in today's NFL. Well, there was a uh, coach in Bruce Arians young coaching career. And he said, if you want to become a football coach, you better get a house on wheels. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You ain't kidding. But he stays with the Raiders uh, during his regime. He, they went to five AFC championship games in seven years. His very first year in coaching, 
He goes 12-1-1, and and he only loses to the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFL championship game, which they go on. Yeah, they go on to play. Yeah, this is the year. Yeah, they go on and to play in the Super Bowl and get and beat the Minnesota Vikings. So it's not that big of a thing. Next year, he's in the AFC championship game as well. So he's kind of throughout his Raiders career is they're almost like the Dallas Cowboys, but not quite so much. Always the, the earlier version of the Dallas Cowboys, always a bridesmaid, never a bride. You get into all these different situations you lose. Plus you got, you're dealing with the Steelers and the Dolphins, the Dolphins in the early seventies, the Steelers in the late seventies. We covered the game in Pittsburgh where the field was frozen and totally took things away from them and every and everything else. So it's always one of those things where he gets so close, but yet something happens to take it away until 1967 when they go 13 and one and they, you know, they just go on an amazing run and they make it, they'd finally defeat the Pittsburgh Steelers 24 to seven in the AFC championship game. And then they go on to beat the Minnesota Vikings. Like every team did in the seventies. <laughs> still joke. My uncle joke about my uncle to that is that he was a Vikings fan as a kid. They lost four Super Bowls. He's a bills fan now. And they lost four straight Super Bowls. I said, ah, so it's his fault. Yes. Yes. <laughs> So he finally reaches the pinnacle. He's a Super Bowl champion coach. Next year, Raiders go in 1977. Raiders go 11 and three, but they lose to the Denver Broncos. They have championship game. Following year in 1978, uh, they go nine and seven. And this is where he's just, he's burnt out. We've seen it a lot with coaches where they, it gets, it's it's very stressful to the point where Oh, you- no doubt. There there's 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 no doubt about that. And especially too if you think about the Raiders from that generation. Um you know, it it's it, it especially that generation, right? Uh, you know, Al Davis believed that the NFL was colluding against the Raiders. And you know, I'm sure Madden bought into that mentality uh significantly, right? You know, all these just all these things. There's a couple cha- you know, the, the frozen field. And all these things, you know, Al Davis truly and Matt believe that the NFL was cooling against them. And it's a lot. It's it's exhausting when you got to, you know, lead these men into battle every single week. You know, Madden could have and should have probably been a three time Super Bowl champion. Well, probably maybe even more than that, or at least AFC championship games, making it to the big game, this and that. But, um, you know, but he. It, it wasn't. It took a toll on him uh, mentally. It's it's a long, it's for, especially for someone who loves the game as much as he does. And was probably like we see how invested he was as a commentator. Can't imagine what it was like as a as a coach. You know, um, it's a lot. Of, it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure, and especially too like the way we know how and when you're losing. You know, the fact that you are losing so much that takes a toll on you. You know it. it can I do this? Am I good enough? Especially for a guy, no playing career, minimal playing career. Uh, you know, youngest head coach in NFL history, probably at that point. 
And, uh, and yeah, we all know how rowdy the, uh, you know, well, now Vegas, but Oakland fan base is. I, I know he was cherished. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, deep down, it's got to it's gotta weigh on you quite a bit. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things. Well, right there, you said Raiders with Al Davis. Anybody that coaches with it or, or has been part of the Raiders organization with Al Davis knows it's going to be stressful, especially, like you said, at that time. And then L. Davis, what what was he was just win, baby. Just win. Just win. Just win. And when you keep on going to these AFC championship games, or even in his first year, the AFL championship game, and you're losing, and you're losing, that's not just winning. No, it's a it's an it's not a good stigma to have, right? Look at we we've seen how many coaches in this generation who've had the Andy Reid. Mm-hmm. It's a big one who so close yet so far away. Um, you know, Tony Dungy for all those years with the Colts until he finally won the big one. There's a ton, a ton of coaches. I mean, look how close the, the Dolphins were most that, you know, with 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 Shula and, and Marino. They were so close so many times um, and just but just couldn't get the job done. It's 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 a tough stigma to beat. It really is. But as a coach, though. It was he very he simplified his rules too, and I think he had to with the Raiders at that time. <laughs> but he had three rules, three very simple rules, because he felt a lot of teams had a lot of rules. Some of those rules didn't have to do with winning, and he didn't want to complicate things. So his three rules were, you know, be on time. If there's a team meeting, be on time to the meeting. Didn't care how you got there or anything. Just be on time and pay yeah. attention. The rule number two was pay attention. He, he, he always talks to himself about being a teacher and a lot of great coaches refer to themselves as teachers more than coaches. So he wanted you to pay attention, just pay attention to whatever he's showing you, whatever he's doing. And rule number three, the final rule was play like hell when he told you to. Right. That's all he wanted, and he always preached togetherness as well. You know, you, you can go out, do crazy stuff on the field, but do it together. Don't don't be bigger than the team. Just do it together. Yeah. Work one unit. So I think that when you look at those rules, everything is very, very well simplified, and that's what I think helped contribute to his constant winning because we know Ken Stabler, we've mentioned it before, reading the, him talking about reading the game plan by the light of the jukebox. You can't, I think he just let them be. And that was the beautiful thing about the 1970s Raiders is just my three rules. I'm a player's coach and just, you know, be the Raiders and it's and it's I always found it weird that he was the Raiders head coach because it seemed he wasn't kind of almost that Raider mentality you know if you're not cheating you're not trying that disciplinary all that even so that I'm sure he was he was stern and tough but you know um but but I I completely get what you're saying you know it, it 
it doesn't it it still seems weird to this day <laughs> it still seems weird to this day that he was that guy and that I, he was ready to you know uh you know let his players be and you know loosen up have fun but when it's time to play football we gotta play football we gotta buck up and, and play football i think al davis was still looking for the next john madden if you ever look at the raiders hires um after tom flores tom flores won two super bowls i'm not going to take anything away from tom flores but you got guys like mike shanahan very young head coach he butted heads with you get into art shell who was a raider so can't really say but you know the uh john gruden original hiring very very young head coach yeah he I think he was still looking for that young head coach that was going to turn into the next John Madden. And he just never really came out and said, I'm looking for the next John Madden. That young, enthusiastic coach that had a passion for the game. And that's his whole thing was the game and wanted to win. Right. No, I mean, no doubt, I I get it. It's it's hard to come out and say, "Hey, I want another John Madden." It's hard to just kind of openly say that. Um, and you know, you, you look back at it, and it's you know, after him and Flores, right? Flores was right after Madden, correct? Yeah, Flores was after. You know, um, that team has not been the same, right? You know, uh, I got my Colts playing the Raiders this weekend. Do I care? I, I don't, you know what I mean? I, I, it's like, oh, it's the Raiders. It's the Raiders. But back then, oh, sh- oh, shoot, it's the Raiders. Right? This team, tough as nails, black hole. Uh, you know, it, it's, oh, shoot, it's the Raiders. But, you know, in over the last 20 years or so, eh, it's the Raiders. <laughs> you know? Uh, but that was that was what made those teams so special. That's what made those teams so special is, is that mindset um, that we are the Raiders, you know, the John Madden and the Tom Flores mindsets uh, that they brought to that team. And they were never, they never that great before, you know, it was, wasn't the same before. And it just definitely wasn't the same afterwards. No, I don't, it's going to take a while. And I don't think you'll ever, I don't want to make fun of the NFL today, but I don't think you could ever really use that grit and toughness like you did back then. Where the you know the you're not cheating you're not trying type mentality right, but I I just looked up he hired Lane Kiffin at 31 years old, so Lane Kiffin beat John Madden's record as the youngest head coach of the Raiders. That's um, pretty cool. I'm not quite sure. I know. I know Gruden was in his 30s when he hired him. As well, so I think that was you know he was looking for something he lost in John Madden and the cool thing about Madden when he did retire and I got to respect tons and I love I love my man Bill Parcells but he stayed retired right and that that was something that always like baffled me too because I I never really truly knew um you know you know Madden he, he didn't very coach for very long why why but yeah, you're right. He 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 left, and he's like, "Okay, I'm done. I'm done. I can't do it anymore. I'm done." And that's what you know. And good on him. 
Good on him. He left out at a, a I'm not going to say a high note because his team failed. I think his team failed to make the playoffs that year, that last season. Was it the playoffs or was it a championship game? It was the playoffs. Playoffs period. And he goes, you know what? I, if it's too much on me. I got I to gotta stop. So, um, And he was a man of his word. Man of his word. Stay, stayed out. And, uh, and, I mean, what a legacy as a head coach, right? Not a single losing head coach record. Which is and insane. You can't even do like the Mike Tomlin treatment where it's like, okay, well, there's a couple. No, he won every single year. He right. was at least two games or so above 500 or even more every single year. That's right. And, that, and that's crazy. But, you know, like guy, guy like Dick Vermeil, he retired. Then all of a sudden, He's back with the Rams after year, years of not coaching. Madden stayed where he was. Uh, Parcells hopped into the booth after retiring from the Giants. Then he went to the Patriots, retired. Jets, retired. Uh, Cowboys. Cow- or, yeah, Cowboys, retired. But Madden, Mike Dicka. Mike Dicka got fired from the Bears. Went into broadcasting with NBC. All of a sudden, he's with the Saints, gets fired. Now he's with ESPN. And it's one of those things where you see a lot of coaches that sometimes get into broadcasting when they're not truly done. Bruce Arians, I don't want to coach the Cardinals. I go into broadcasting. Oh, guess what? Now I'm I'm with the Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Right. He stayed retired he said i will never coach football again and he stuck by his guns and he did it he did he definitely did um yeah looking at his records for those those who don't know 103 32 and 7 all right uh which is crazy a 9 and 7 postseason record all right which is great i think he's second he has the second highest win percentage all time. Is that is that correct? I was the first. You might you might be. I think you might be the first then. Yeah, you um, hundred games played. Okay, so he's probably so the first all time greatest winning percentage of all time. And yeah, this is stuff that people don't know. So one, two, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten seasons, one hundred and three wins, thirty two and seven. I uh, you know it's that's mind-boggling it's really really cool what this man did he changed football and and the fact that some people know him only know him as the football game guy football video game guy is like it's sad it's it's a little it's a little shameful it really is um but yeah for to to coach like that for a decade and you gotta consider I, i think you mentioned it before too just who he was coaching alongside with right the greats of that era right shula in his prime Oh. Right, Shula, Noel, um, Andrew. I mean, I'm pretty sure they didn't play each other every year, but you still got. When you Andrew, look at Bud, Bud Grant, Grant. Uh, who am I? Who we're, we're? I know we're missing somebody, and I'm feeling bad. Paul Brown. Don't. No, Paul Brown was kind of done by then. So I did. I did look it up just for confirmation. With a minimum of hundred, with a hundred games coached. He does have the highest winning percentage. Okay. 
So he is above Vince Lombardi uh, and George Allen, which is pretty huge. Good company to be a part of. Right. And he, he did it, you know, he did it his way. And that's, that's incredible. And these guys were coach, you know, they, I, well, some of them played, um, I mean, shoot, George Hallis, I guess a little bit. Hallis has probably slowed down around this time though. Right. I think he, he, think he was been out he might have been out for a little while at this point that's fair um uh, yeah let's just look oh but yeah shula Noel, a lot of those guys uh shula's on the top of his game like like we were talking about before shula's on the top of his games in the early 70s and then you got Noel and the Steelers in the later 70s. You still got Tom Landry if you're looking at, oh, George Allen. And George Allen. There's another guy, George Allen with the Redskins. Yeah. You know, a lot of great NFL head coaches that you that you see and you think about. And I guess if you're from that era, you think what John Madden in there, but as we get into the next one, you know, it's depending on when you were born and everything else. How do you know John? When did you first find out about John Madden? Right. And it's amazing that he coached with all those guys. And then you're like, oh yeah, did you know, you know, John Madden was in there because I think, when you look at their, when you look at the coaches in the seventies, he's in there, but you think of him more as other things. Like I said, depending on when you were born and how you know the game. No, one hundred percent. But uh, he he didn't stay. He retired. He he retired, but he didn't stay like retired for very long. So he still wanted to be involved with the game. After that, all right. So he went to television. Jumped to television. Uh, and signed with CBS as a color commentator in 1979. And, uh, you know, they just want to get a little bit of a feeling out process, right? This is a great head coach, uh, legendary head coach already. Let's see what he can do when it comes to TV. And uh, after doing a couple, like, lower, lower profile, easy, um, easier contests, nothing too big, um, he got put with uh, Pat Summerall randomly. After uh, Tom Brookshire, he, I think he had a wedding to go to. This is the story that uh, that Madden actually told at Pat's funeral, uh, which is a very tearful video. It's on YouTube. It's it's an emotional roller coaster. And, you know, he said that Pat was so kind to him, um, took the time, showed him the ins and outs of, of television and production and 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 made sure he was, you know, he was OK. He was comfortable. And that he did his thing. And, you know, that, that's a thing that a lot of people compliment Pat Summerall about is being this kind soul who helped his guys. And he, him and, you know, John Madden quickly paired up and, and we're, we're so, we're, we're fantastic. Um, so I think it was in 1979. Eventually he would replace Tom Brookshire, but uh, they put Madden with Vince Scully, Dick Stockton, Frank Gleber. And Gary Bender, but they knew that Pat Summerall and John Madden was the duo. And, you know, they, they just, like we talked about at the top of the show, he brought this fun personality 
to commentary, right? Back in the day, you know, 1950s. Oh, you, you know, you get those those classic like radio announcers. Oh, he runs the ball up to the 30 and the he's going to the 20 and the 10 touchdown. You know, Johnny Unitas days. I, I don't even know who those announcers were, but it was very like plain. It was very like horse jockey, like watching watching horse races, uh, like style of commentary. You know what I mean? It was there, just there was one guy he would just go like. Like if it was auctioners, auctioneers. That's what I meant. Well, there was one guy he did it for like the Packers, and he'd be like Paul Horning, five yard run, <laughs> tackle, handoff, Horning, to Horning, and that's all. That's that's all it was. But like you said, he he brought this. 1960s if anybody's ever seen that 1960s batman element to it where it wasn't just a fight when you're watching that batman of the 1960s it was when batman threw a punch it was a pow it made those noises sound effects right yeah he brought sound effects to the game at that point and uh his actual first test broadcast is i don't know how this this guy just was around some of or had to be with some of the best of the best or people that were budding at the time because his first test broadcast was with Bob Costas. Oh, that's pretty cool. That's yeah. And he also company to be around. And after coaching, while he was doing the broadcasting thing, he was also teaching at uh, the University of California. He was teaching football. He taught an actual legit class to football because he wanted everybody to know about it he wanted people to know that they could learn the ins and outs of football he didn't want a guy telling a woman you don't know anything about the game but yet because he encouraged women to go to his class so they can learn about the game so they would know more and everybody else so this he he lived, breathed football even after he was done coaching he was still trying to teach the game no and that's he did it through broadcasting too. He did. He definitely did. He did. You know, the, the, we talked about the drawing thing, right? The drawing and on uh, the the teleprompter, on the teleprompter, on the screen, and and all this jazz. And yeah, he was just, uh, you know, he was very into it. He loved he loved teaching the, the the basics of the game. But he yeah he added that spunk to commentary. Even if you look at Pat Summerall, love Pat Summerall, love his commentary. But it was very straightforward, right? It was just very straightforward. There was not a whole lot of. Uh, um, it wasn't entirely colorful, if that makes sense. Like it wasn't, uh, it wasn't over the top and zany. And I think they, they made like the perfect duo. Um, you know, John Madden, adding like, literally one of the best color commentators of all time. Like he added so much personality to those broadcasts. Well, it's like an Abbott and Costello or, you know, Laurel and Hardy, one of those things, like some old vaudevillian where you have Pat Summerall as the straight man and you have, you know, John Madden as this more, outgoing boisterous type of guy and i think that's what madden needed to blossom if he was put into the booth i think with just about anybody else i don't think we would have the madden we really know to really be able to blossom and draw stuff and get, just talk more into the game than we're actually hearing you know emmett smith five yard run up up the middle type deal right he just let him be, and I think that was the the beauty of everything there. 
No, it was. It was. You know, Madden said that they never fought, never got in any arguments. It was always just, you know, they were just so excited to see each other. And that was one of the cool things. Um, 1981. Oh, no, excuse me. They called. I scratched that. They called eight. I got the eights mixed up. They uh, they actually met it in summer all went on to call eight Super Bowls together, which was pretty, you know, a pretty cool honor. And their final CBS uh, telecast together was the NFC Championship game on January 23rd, 1994. Um, Madden told Summerall that while CBS may no longer have the NFL, at least they have memories, uh, but they would still be paired together for a long time. They did go to, to Fox together, um, if I'm not mistaken. And I think a couple, they did, one, they did ABC Sport. Oh, he went to ABC with Al Michaels. Pardon me. So, um, so yeah, he was he was pretty busy with that but yeah after 1994 it was the NFC championship game January 23rd 1994 uh they go on to Fox Sports they gained the rights to the NFC championship games or NFC games in 94 and CBS employees became free agents and Madden was the biggest star in football broadcasting all right Fox ABC and NBC made offers more than two million dollars a year that's crazy uh, NBC, NBC's owner, General Electric, offered to make Madden its worldwide spokesman, and General Electric Rail would build him, build for him a luxury train, and he almost joined ABC, but uh, Madden Summerall instead joined Fox's NFL coverage, giving the network credibility to broadcast what Rupert, Rupert Murdoch once called the crown jewel of all sports programming in the world, and Madden's contract paid him more annually than any NFL player. Um, Something like... I don't know if this was yearly or over the span of his contract. Watching the Madden documentary was like something like $32 million. So even over a span of maybe 10 years or even yearly, that's still really, really good. It's not too shabby, uh, but Fox was in way over their heads. All right. They were losing about $4.4 billion. Uh, it's kind of uh, estimated $4.4 billion on its NFL contract for the eight-year deal it signed in 1998 and had been trying to cut programming costs as a result. And Madden's Fox contract would have been worth $8 million for 2003. Well, that was so, probably the period of time, $32 million. So, jeez. Yeah, that's still a lot, man. That's still a lot. Um, in 2002, Madden became commentator on ABC's Monday Night Football, working with longtime play-by-play announcer Al Michaels, who I think is one of the best commentators in the game today. I love Al Michaels' analy- you know, analysis. He's, you know, he he's he's he represents, I think, an older generation of uh, football commentary. You know, there's a lot of great commentators out there, but Al Michaels is probably my favorite. Um. Yeah, he made $5 million per year between 2002 and 2005 with ABC. And then uh, NBC Sports from 2006 to 2008. All right, Dick Ebersall, president of NBC Sports, announced that Madden would provide color commentary for NBC's Sunday Night Football games beginning with the 06 season, making him the first, big, the first sportscaster to have worked for all of the big four U.S. broadcast television networks. Um. On October 13th, 2008, NBC announced that Madden would not be traveling to the October 19th Sunday Night Football game between Seattle and Tampa Bay in Tampa, Florida, marking the end of Madden's 476 weekend streak of consecutive broadcast appearance. My word, that is a lot. Um, 
Madden, who actually he traveled by bus. He had a legit bus, which I think is awesome. You get to travel comfortably. Um, I seen the insides of it, man. Whoa, comfortable, very, very comfortable. Um, he decided to take the week off because he traveled from Jacksonville to San Diego and would have had to go back to Florida before returning to his Northern California home. Uh, and Madden was replaced by Chris Collinsworth and returned, um, though he did return for the following telecast on November 2nd, 08, in Indianapolis. Um, so, yeah, uh, Madden called his final game on February 1st, 2009 for the, for Super Bowl uh, 43 between Arizona and Pittsburgh. And he announced his official retirement from the broadcasting booth on April 16, 2009. And, of course, it was succeeded by Chris Collinsworth, who is everybody's favorite. Everybody everybody loves Chris Collinsworth. So that's actually pretty cool. Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth are together now. And it's crazy to think that the, the previous team was Madden and Michaels together. Right? This is the succession. We're still on the succession stage. Um, you know, this is the immediate succession team from John Madden, which is pretty neat. Uh, but he wasn't done there. He uh, he did so. He did some radio and stuff that should be noted. Um, yeah, he, he was doing a little bit of radio in the seventies, and, and honestly, until about twenty eighteen, um, he was he was doing more radio, which is uh, which is really really cool. But uh, we're not done there with his uh, with his career. Okay. What's it? We're on the third phase. We're on the third phase. Yes, his appearance in the movie Little Giants. No, um, <laughs> great movie. Uh, fant- yeah, it's a fantastic movie. But uh, but yeah, we got to talk about the Madden NFL video games. All right. So obviously, we're past that point in the timeline. We're past that point in the timeline. Madden had you know the Madden video games started in 1988, if I'm not mistaken, and. Uh, started real early too like they approached him i think in the early 80s yes and then because of his demands it took till like 1988 to come out with this thing yeah he was a huge star you got to think too this is all because of broad like if he wasn't a broadcaster do you think that you know ea is interested in john madden at this point they they weren't at first right it was montana and this when I was, when I saw this my my head was like huh Joe Cap the former Minnesota Vikings quarterback so they were like okay we can't get Montana we can't get Joe Cap who we'll get John Madden <laughs> but nowadays I I'm pretty sure that made sense back then because his broadcasting career was just starting kind of is still in the first couple of years stages like i said in the early 80s they went to him but i'm still baffled by the whole joe cap thing i yeah i can't imagine playing joe cap football 2021 it just uh, it just doesn't feel right if anybody out there can elaborate on why joe cap was still big in the 80s i please let us know <laughs> i can't figure i mean I understand it's he's not even he's coaching in the NFL. He's he coached at California and then went on to the Sacramento attack, which was a arena league, but that was 92. So I don't, I don't know if anybody. <laughs> yeah. If yeah. anybody told me the whole story behind Joe cap, 
Right. Now I I yeah, I got nothing. I got nothing on that one. Um but yeah, for 84 they actually approached Matt and they want his expertise on it. And this is the big thing. He said that he would not be a part of this game, of this franchise if they did not have 11 on 11 football. And that was a first. That was a that was a first in video games. And I get it, it's the 80s, it's archaic. Uh, the idea of it's our, you know, football games back then are archaic. You had like 10 yard fight and, you know, oh, well, Tecmo Bowl did eventually, I think, have 11, right? Or do they? Tecmo Super Bowl has 11. Tecmo Bowl doesn't have 11. That's what it was. Okay. So they eventually changed their ways. But, um, but Madden wanted football to be right. But this, this, this goes back to his love of the game, right? His, his, his wanting to, you know, teach and, and have things right. Um, and show off this stuff. And, and EA agreed and they went through with it. Um, 88, he started to lend his voice. You get little, little quips here and there, um, you know, in the Sega Genesis, uh, you know, versions of the game, Sega, there's a couple other, you know, Nintendo, the, the, the commentary was never at length quite like what it was, you know, in later years, but you get his voice and uh, it was always a nice touch, but um you know, it's consistently year in, year out, one of the best-selling video games of all time. And it's actually one of the best video game franchises of all time as well. It, it, it rivals some of the all-time greats, including Super Mario and Grand Theft Auto and, and all these. That's how successful Madden has been. Literally, their release day every single year is a holiday for a lot of people. They will take off of work to go get the new Madden overnight and just play the crap out of it. That, that, I remember that being a thing back in, when I was in high school and in, sometimes in college. But, um, but yes, he, uh, even after he retired in 2009, he still wanted to keep it the same. Um, still continued to lend his name and, and provide creative input to the series, which was so popular that he, be, it, he better became known as the face of Madden than a Super Bowl winning coach and broadcaster. Um, but he did view the Madden games as an educational tool. And that's why he wanted 11 on 11. And, um, yeah, he said he envisioned the program as a tool for teaching and testing plays. He also stated in 2012 that Madden NFL was a way for people to learn the game of football, participate in the game at a pretty sophisticated level, uh, which is amazing. But um, we're not done there. We're not quite. That's the third phase. He yeah. did create an all Madden, uh, the all Madden team, yes. which was. Uh, which is pretty significant. I actually went to the Pro Football Hall of Fame and seen that they had jackets. They had straight up jackets made for the All Madden team, and it was a it was it was it was quite the honor. It was like Letterman jackets, All All Madden team. They have one framed or not framed up, but in glass at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But uh, yeah, in '84, he took advice of uh, his good friend John Robinson and uh, created the All Madden team, a group of players who Madden thought represented football and played the game the way he thought it would it, it should be played. And uh, Madden continued to pick the All Madden team through the 2001 season when he left to move to um, when he left to move to ABC and Monday Night Football. And uh, Madden added his Hall of, of Fame for his favorite players. He created a special 10th anniversary All Madden team in 1994, an All Madden Super Bowl team in '97, and an All Madden team all time All Madden team in 2000. Um, yeah, and and <laughs> he he had like a movie. Right, a movie or, or excuse me, a book uh, called All Madden. 
And he goes, what does it mean to be all Madden? It's a whole range of things. You know, for defensive lineman and linebacker, it's about Jack Youngblood playing with a busted leg. Lawrence Taylor wrecking havoc on an offense and Reggie White making the other guy wish he put a little more in the collection plate at church or make, yeah, make Reggie White making the other guys wish he put a little bit more in the collection plate at church. It's about a guy who's got a dirty uniform, mud on his face and grass in his ear hole and, uh, and yeah, in the ear hole of his helmet. So, um, I have the, uh, first all Madden team right here from 1984. Oh, read them all off. Shoot. So quarterback is Joe Montana. Your running backs are Eric Dickerson, Walter Payton, and John Riggins. Wide receivers, Dwight Clark and Roy Green. Offensive line, Brian Bain, Joe Fields, Rush Grimm, Joe Jacoby, and Harry Lawrence. Defensive line, 95% of these guys are Bears. <laughs> Richard Dent, Dan Hampton, Al Harris, Dave Logan, Howie Long, Steve Mondo McMichael uh, and Jack Youngblug. The linebackers are E EJ Jr. Jack. Oh, sorry. I would call him Jack, but he's better known as Hacksaw Reynolds. <laughs> That's a story in itself. Uh, Mike Singletary, uh, Lawrence Taylor, defensive backs, Todd Bell, my man with all the stickum, Lester Hayes. Uh, Mike, Mike Haynes, Donnie Shell, Eric Wright, and then special teams is Pat Summerall and Otis Wosley. And that's it. Uh, and then they just have 1990, and then I have the final one as well. So 1990, oh, you're going to, this first name's going to get you. Uh, <laughs> the quarterbacks are Troy Aikman, Randall Cunningham, Joe Montana, Warren Moon. Running backs, Marcus Allen, O.J. Anderson, Neil Anderson, Keith Byers, Merrill Hodge, Barry Sanders, Emmett Smith. Wide receivers, Fred Barnett, Anthony Carter, Gary Carter, Ernest Givens, Jerry Rice, Sterling Sharp. The tight end is Keith Jackson. Offensive line is Stan Brock, Jumbo Elliott, uh, Jim Lacey, Bruce Matthews, Don Mosbar, Mike Munchuk, Nate Newton, Bubba Paris, Jackie Slater, Steve Wisniewski, uh, Jeff Zimmerman. Defensive line is Richard Dent, Kevin Fagan, Jacob Green, Dan Hampton, Pierce Holt, Eric Howard, William the Refrigerator Perry, Greg Townsend, and Reggie White. Your linebackers are Charles Haley, Ricky Jackson, Pepper Johnson, Vaughn Johnson, Matt Millen, Sam Mills, Brian Noble, Pat Swilling, Lawrence Taylor. Defensive backs are Mark Carrier, Daryl Green, Ronnie Lott, and Rod Woodson. Special teams are Sean Landena, Dave Meggett, and Rayan Thompson, Thompson. And for the final All-Madden team, we have, at quarterbacks, we have Brett Favre, Jeff Garcia and Kurt Warner. Really? Jeff Garcia, my old friend. Oh no. man. What no a guy. <laughs> Running backs are Marshall Falk, Amon Green, Garrison Hurst, Cecil Martin, Anthony Thomas, Ricky Williams. Wide receivers, Marty Booker, Isaac Bruce, Marvin Harrison, Joe Horn, Keyshawn Johnson, 
and I'm gonna and I'm just gonna say T.O. because I'm gonna mispronounce his first name. Offensive line is Larry Allen, Matt Burke, Ray Brown, Olin Coots, Bruce Matthews, Andy McCollum, Orlando Pace, John Runnan, Adam Timmerman. Oh crap! I used to be able to Chris Vellalala. Vellala. Bob Bob Whitfield. Uh, Hugh Douglas. Oh, I'm sorry. Defensive line is Hugh Douglas and Kabir Jabba. We just could just call him Jija Bubba. As you could tell, ladies and gentlemen, we are not great in uh, pronunciations. No, I can pronounce this one. Joe Johnson, Robert Porsche, Warren Sapp, Michael Strahan, Keith Trailer, Ted Washington, because he likes to circle those butts. Uh, Grant Whitstrom and Brian Young. Linebackers, Keith Booking, London Fletcher, Jeremiah Trotter, Brian Erlacher. Defensive backs, Mike Brown, Brian Dawkins, Sammy Knight, John Lynch, Mike McKenzie, Ahmad Plummer, Troy Vincent, Aeneas Williams. Your kicker is Martin Gramatica. And then because it was a final one, he tributed to the real heroes, New York City firefighters. Awesome. There was actually all Madden cards too. Trading cards? Yeah, it's like, uh, I forgot who had them, but they would put like Madden team on them. Interesting. Yeah. That's pretty neat. That's pretty neat. But, um, but yeah, that's John Madden in a nutshell, everybody. Uh, of course, what's up? I got some more stuff too. Oh, please share. All right. So we mentioned his career in the seventies, all the games that he played in, he played in, and I love games with names. So I know you do. He played in four games with names. Uh, one, the immaculate reception play all oh, coach. Do you mean coach? Yeah, coach. I'm sorry. <laughs> Coached in four games with names, the immaculate reception. We all know about that. That could have been an instant replay. That could have been changed. The Holy Roller, which changed the rule in the NFL about offensive being able to progress the ball on a fumble as Dave Casper didn't intentionally kick the ball. The Sea of Hands against the Dolphins and your favorite, Ghosts to the Post. That's my absolute absolute favorite. Um, no, that's a good one. And and if I'm not mistaken, he was on the coaching staff for the Heidi game, right? Right, that was yeah. Raiders and Jets. That was Raiders and Jets, yeah. So he was on the coaching staff for the Heidi game too. Yep. So that's uh that's pretty cool. A lot of big time moments in there for the in the sixties and seventies for um you know for the Raiders that Madden was a part of. Again, we said at the top of the show, he was there for the formative years, the most important years of this Raiders team that have given this squad an identity. Right. I live in Western New York and there are a lot of there's some diehard Raiders fans, diehard Raiders fans. And they all and I make fun of people for living in the past, but they're all fans because of that era of smash mouth, tough football. The John Madden, Tom Flores era of of Raider football. They're all fans because of that time. And how could you not be? How could you not be? Those are some of the all some all time greats, some all time greats that aren't even in the Hall of Fame yet um, still. Um, but some all-time greats 
and and Madden was Madden was a big part of of those those big those early years for the Raiders. So, um, I got, I got more tidbits here. Yeah, too. please go ahead. Uh, so before the bus, he had to take an Amtrak train, and that takes seventy two hours to get coast to coast because he will not fly because he is claustrophobic and he has a fear of small spaces. Yes. So they had the train and the way that he ended up getting a bus is they had to get some going somewhere quicker. So Dolly Parton would rent out her tour bus. So they rented Dolly. This was CBS. They rented out Dolly Parton's tour bus and they got in there and said, this is what we need. This is what we need to just get him around from place to place to place since he won't fly. So that is how the Madden bus was born. And he had the same bus driver for 23 years. Shout out to Willie Yarborough, who drove that bus for 23 years. That's pretty. Ooh. Yeah. Never changed the bus driver. You, you think, uh, well, you know, the way that people go through things, I don't like this guy, this guy. And uh, Willie said that, you know, I probably did make a wrong turn somewhere along the way, but the coach. <laughs> didn't say anything because he knew that I'd just get him to where he needed to go. So that, so that was pretty impressive to see that he kept the same guy. And we talk about how he circled Ted Washington's butt. Brett Fart tells a story about he's talking to Madden and he's telling him about his uncle Rube who has uh, an abnormally large to keep it kind of PG sack. <laughs> okay. So, and he said, Madden thought it was the funniest thing in the world. And so during the game and Favre didn't realize it until afterwards during the game, Reggie white gets a sack and you can hear Madden go. That's the, that's the uncle Rube special right there. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. That was a, uh, that was I thought that was pretty I thought that was pretty hilarious that he just had to put in about Brett Favre's uncle's abnormally long large sack. So <laughs> that's hilarious. That is incredible. Any other tidbits? Well, we make fun of him. We make fun of Bill Belichick. Do we not? Wearing wearing hoodies, the sweatpants. Well, if the long you... socks. If you look at Madden compared to other coaches in the seventies, he kind of was that Belichick where he just didn't look very neat half of the time, which is also like interesting too, especially considered like Landry and Noel. And these guys are all dressing up in suits at that time. Here's Madden with the, you know, the, you the don't. Polo. I, I, I picture the polo with him, right? He had a polo and he'd wear a tie with a short sleeve shirt. That's what it was. It was pretty. He had style. But no, so one person called him, a, said that he looked like an unmade bed. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And Belichick was mad because I didn't know what it was. Because if you watch the old 1970s stuff of him as a coach, he's got this tag like hanging from his pass. That's his sideline pass. Like, we know you're the coach. Really? <laughs> He just, just hanging there. He just has his sideline pass. Like they don't know he's the coach of the Raiders. <laughs> like he wore that thing 
throughout his whole entire career. And it just, and you could see, it looks like a keychain just flopping around and you're like, why did you forget to remove it from like the dry cleaner or what's going on? <laughs> Man, what a life. What yeah. a life. The other thing that he does have that he kept from his years of coaching with the Raiders is he kept the old seven man blocking sled. Yes. I did see this, this video clip. Yes. But that is football in a nutshell right there. He said, there's no better sound than when they got the sled up and you just hear one large crack and then they just drive across the field, pushing that sled. Yeah, he kept it uh, behind his office, I believe, in the parking lot. He just kind of left it out there all the time. And uh, that was that was something that was very, very important for him. Uh, he, he loved it. He, they showed a video of him. I think, uh, yeah, a video of him just on it, just, you know, yelling, boom, you know, yelling, hut, hut, you know, 100, all this stuff, and then boom. And he, it was, he was very, very proud of that thing. He was very, very proud of that thing. That is pretty much all I got right here. All right. Well, everybody, that is a wrap. We hope we did a, uh, we hope we did a service to John Madden. All right. A guy who again, can't be stated enough how much, how important he was on all of our love for football. I know uh, before I even really watched football and, and began to understand certain things, certain aspects of it, John Madden was the face of football for me for the longest time. And I'm sure Andrew might agree with that in some sense. I actually, so. actually got one more, th- one more thing. I'm sorry, I'm just popping up. No, you're fine. In my head. Uh, would you put in pop culture branding? Okay. Yes. I know this might blow our good friend Johnny Townsend's head, and he might like if he listens to this, like come at me hardcore. But I feel you could put John Madden in the same category of branding as Michael Jordan. He actually might agree with you on that. Because he did. He did message me after he said he was pretty upset when he seen that Madden had passed away. I I, I could definitely see that. Uh, I mean, Jordan has the shoes. Madden has the video games. Mm-hmm. And a generation knows knows it just from one thing or another. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting point as a fantastically interesting point, but I, I would agree with you. I think Madden brand was big. I mean, little his last name slapped on a video game for years upon years and nobody thought anything of it. You know what I mean? All these other game franchises have, um, you know, NBA 2k, NHL live or, you know, MLB all-stars or it was just Madden. It was just Madden. I mean, there was NFL 2K and, and all that, but it was just Madden and they ended up dominating the market. So, um, so yeah, what a legend honor that we got to finally talk about him, discuss his legacy. Um, everybody to our listeners, thank you so much for your support in 2021. This was an absolute roller coaster of a year. We hit new heights in our listenership that um, I'm still trying to wrap my head around. We've been busier than we ever have been. All right. This is the, uh, I know we were doing five days a week uh, for shows and stuff. You know, we've been pretty consistent with six days a week throughout this whole season. Um, and our team 
Like I got to give a shout out to our, to our team, everybody, a part of two point this year. All right. Andrew, of course, thank you for all that you've done filling in for me. Um, you know, when need be, it's, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you and I'll never be able to, I'll never be able to show you my true appreciation. All I have are these words for you. So thank you for everything. I want to get to give a shout out to again, everybody else, Brian, who's been such a wonderful, um, you know, surprise to this team a couple of years ago. I didn't even know, uh, Brian and, you know, some things happened last year and Brian ended up sticking around and became, you know, has become one of my best friends in life. So, um, you know, me and him learning film study has been tremendous. Uh, you know, Ryan, Ryan's another one, same situation as Brian. And he's become my fantasy football guy and he's done a tremendous job. And I'm thankful for him. You know, uh, Jack, Jack, who's so dependable, so dependable. You know, I, I was, in a, again, I was in a tough situation last year where I had to choose. Uh, I didn't have to, but somebody that used to be a part of the show made me choose between himself and Jack essentially. And I chose Jack and I have, uh, I have not regretted it. I have not regretted it once. So Jack, thank you for everything. Bringing your brother along, David. Um, you know, David's been wonderful, a tremendous leader, a guy who's filled in for me and hosting duties sometimes. And uh, just uh, somebody who's wise beyond his years. Ed, who's been in and out of the lineup this year. I, at one point, I didn't know if he was coming back. Ed has brought his, his, his charm to this show and, you know, it, with the picks. And I'm all the better for it. All the better for it. And, of course, Walker, the little pain in the ass. Um, <laughs> a little pain in the ass who I, I absolutely adore. I, I haven't even met this kid in person yet. Um, I think he's the only person at two point who I haven't met in person yet. It was Andrew for the longest time. But, um, you know, he's he's grown so much since he's joined our team. And I, I love his takes. I love his, his uh, you know, his, his I, I guess the way he carries himself, he don't care. He's just fun. He's goofy. He, he, I, I'm really glad that we found a nice niche for him with, uh, with, with Jack, David, and, um, you know, Ed. Uh, and of course, some of our, you know, members who bounced around in and out this year, some who, who left us, Vince, uh, Jacob, of course, uh, Nick Woten, who I think was going to be as, I think he wants to come back around the fold a little bit. Um, and I can't forget about David Brick. David Brick, one of our newest members, of course, too. David's been so insightful, uh, helping me with the uh, with the with the review episodes, the weekend roundup episodes. I do not want to forget about David. He has been he has added so much to those those episodes. Last year it was just me reading off results, you know, to by myself, and there wasn't a whole lot of substance to those episodes. David. Um, David did a tremendous job uh, being my co-host this year, and I'm looking forward to, you know, sticking around with him. And you know what? I don't want to forget Derek Jaws either. I have so many. There's so many teammates. There's so many teammates. Um, Derek Jaws, all right, my man, for the longest time, he was trying to get in, and I was like, yeah, he's got, he's got his own stuff. He's a busy dude. He's He's got a ton of shows, to t- you know, that he does already. Why would he want to be a regular? And he has added a whole other layer to – um, the discussion topic episodes with this feisty personality and and so much more beyond that. I'm so grateful for him, for literally everybody. 
for literally everybody that is, is a part of this show. Let me just make sure I'm not forgetting anybody. I apologize if I did. No, I have not. So well, um, what's it? To, you mentioned me. That's all you need to do. Oh, you tool. Uh, <laughs> but listen, y'all are great. All right, listeners, you're tremendous. Um, co-host, you're tremendous. It's been a great year. Looking forward to seeing what 2022 brings us. All right, behave. Be good. Be safe to all of our listeners. I seriously love, 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 and appreciate you all for giving uh, us the us the chance to talk football in a different sense. All right, we don't we don't want to be the know it alls. We want to be the fun the, the 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 fun version of football talk. We don't like yelling at each other. We want to. We've always wanted to portray this show as a uh, as a you know just alternative football talk. You're just getting together with your friends and talking football, which is the way it should be. We've never taken ourselves too seriously. And, um, and man, I look forward to like, recording six days a week is a lot, but I have never been like, Oh, I got to record a day. It's always like, yes, I get to record with my friends today. So thank you so much, everybody. Happy 2022 to you all. And on behalf of Andrew and I till next time, the two point conversation is Good. Yeah, spot. Look at the end.